Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Amen. You guys can be seated. Don't you guys like that last song? Whenever I, I didn't grow up in church, but whenever I started going to church at age 16, the, uh, they loved singing that song uh, at the church I went to. And there was just one old guy, and I think he sang in the choir, I'm not sure. But when, every time we would sing that song, people would go, how marvelous. And he would go, oh, how wonderful. And every time I hear that song now, that's what I'm doing back there. I'm going, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful. What's so funny? I really do it. I'm not kidding. I know it's the bass part. So, all right. Um, listen, I hope you guys enjoyed this week uh, diving into your small groups and uh, talking about um, what we talked about on Up Sunday. Uh, talked about step up, level up, and building up. And um, I, we, we referenced Acts chapter 2 last week, and so I was able to visit a couple small groups this week, and they really were diving into those verses and tearing apart those verses and seeing exactly what it is that God would have us understand about the formation and the building of the community that was the church and one of the main things that was part of the community of the church was not just that they came on Sunday mornings or whatever morning they would come on. It's that they met together in homes and they met together um, in different locations and they dug deep into the word. We also this morning launched our, our Sunday mornings here. Uh, and so for those people that came uh, at 9 o'clock for our young adults that meets right back behind this wall, uh, for those, you don't have to actually go through the wall. There's a door here and a door over there, but the door over there is the best, okay? We're not asking you to be like, you know, some kind of Marvel comic or anything or Jesus. So anyway, but, um, but those met and those were really good. And, um, and we had ours as well, which is right down there. Miss Schumann, are you in here, Miss Schumann? Thank you for letting us use your room. We promise we're going to put it back the way it was, but right down the hall here on the left. And so we had a great time in there diving deeper. That's what we're going to do every week here. We're going to open up the scriptures and then we promise you... Those weeks that you guys have small group, we're going to give you some challenging questions to talk about and to dive deeper into the Word. Today, we're going to talk about two things, and it's this. It's obey, or obedience, um, and the gift of Holy Spirit, okay? Obe obedience and the gift of Holy Spirit. And uh, you, when you look at these two on the surface, you don't think they have anything to do with each other. Right? Because you would think, okay, well, he's going to do two different messages because one of them is on obedience, and one of them is on obedience, and one of them is on the gift of the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing that I want you to understand. These two go hand in hand, and the information that I'm going to give you today and what we're going to open up today is going to show you the importance. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of people get what we're going to talk about confused today. They get it very confused, and I hope I clear up some things for you today because obedience and the gift of Holy Spirit are connected, which is why he put it right where he put it, and we're going to see where he put it at. We know that the book of John is separated into two parts. The first one is the book of signs. We have now closed on that part, and now we are in the book of glory. 
For those that are taking count, we are going to be ending the book of John on November 12th. All right, you don't believe that? All right, and it's only, we, I, I crammed one book into a year and a half. That's not bad. Uh, but we've, we've gone through, it's going to be good. And this book, is good. the second part is 13 through 21. It's called the Book of Glory, and we're going to be taking a look at that. And that's simply his giving his life over to people. Now, there's one main thing, and if you, if you have, if you, if you got our notes today, you'll see that this is the main goal of the book, and this is why we named it Believe, with the live, L-I-V-E, in the middle. It's because it says in, in John chapter 20, verse 31, it says, These are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life. Life, how? How are you going to have life? Because you go out and you have a job and you make a lot of money? No. Because you buy that car that you always wanted? I still am saving up for that Corvette. The small one doesn't count, Don. Anyway, um, that you have that? No, that's not the life. Because, no, it's life by the power of His name. That's how you have life. So, so far, what we've seen in what is called this book of John is we've seen Jesus say, I'm the bread of life. I am the light. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. And finally, he says, I am the way. Today's verses are going to end what is called the upper room discourse. And so this is the ending of the upper room discourse. Remember, they broke bread. Jesus washed their feet. They begin to talk about betrayal. Judas gets up and leaves. Jesus begins this long discourse with them about, because he can sense the anxiety in the room. So here's how he ended the upper room discourse. Starting in verse 15 of John chapter 14. John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. It says this. It says, if you love me, Obey my commandments. Now that's simple. If you love me, obey my commandments. But he connects it with something interesting here. Here's what he does. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you will also live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. We're going to explain all that in a second. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them, and I uh, and reveal myself to them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple named, named Judas, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? And Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we, and, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. 
But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift. And here it is. Peace of heart and of mind. And the peace I give is, uh, is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. God, we love you and we thank you for your word. I ask you now to come and help me express exactly what you want to say. May we have open ears to listen and open hearts to do what it says in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't forget they're sitting around the table. Judas has left because he was betrayed. Jesus began teaching his disciples that he must die. Peter said, there's no way over my dead body you're going to die. Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And the high anxiety continues in the upper room. And Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And he begins talking about what this actually looks like. And he says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And I'm going to send, I'm going to send an advocate for you. There's only two points in today's message, and its first one is this. Jesus wants us to obey, period. He wants us to obey. Now, let me say something. The word obey has gotten a very negative connotation these days. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Every wedding I do, every wedding I do, I sat down, I'm actually doing a wedding in, in, uh, in October, October 8th, I think it's a Sunday, right? October 8th, October 8th, yes, okay, good, I got it right, because they're in here. Um, but next, next time we meet, I'm actually, we're going to go over the, the, whole, uh, the whole service. And I know this is going to come up, because I'm going to ask them. Are you going to say, wife, that you will cherish, honor, and obey your husband? And she's going to look at him, and she's going to look at me, and she's going to say, no, I will not. And I've been doing this for a long time, and I haven't had one yet to say, yes, I will say I will obey my husband. My own bride. refused to say obey it's really gotten a negative connotation has it because it almost is like an, a, a dominating thing for us it's like a dominating thing for us and I totally understand why someone would not want to say that because it really has become negative negative. and so what we do oftentimes because it's become negative we see Jesus saying I want you to obey my commandments and the first thing we think about is legalism and we think that the obey is motivated 
by the law. See, Jesus has these set of rules, and, and that is, he has these set of rules that he's come up with that, that is a little different from the Old Testament, but it's close. He's the fulfillment. And so Jesus acted this way, and so we are going to connect with Christ, and when we connect with Christ, we want to start mimicking how Christ is, and so, so we want to act the way Christ act, and what we do is, is we actually fake it, and we start trying to act like Christ, but there's been no heart change in order for us to act like Christ genuinely, in a real way. What's our mission here at the church is for you to experience God and help others experience God in real life. And this is part of that. See, this obey is motivated by love, not law. I want you to get that. If you're a writer and you write things down, you want to write down, this is something that is motivated by love, not law. You see, love is a decision, not a feeling. It's a decision, not a feeling. Those deep theologians, DC Talk, had it right when they said, Love is a verb. It is. Love is a verb, it's an action. But I want you to understand something. The obey that Jesus wants from you is not out of law, but out of love. See, what he was so against with the Pharisees was the obedience out of law. I want you to get that. Think about this. The reason why he was so against the obedience out of law is because he knew that obedience out of law does not equate to falling in love. And when you're motivated by some law, for instance, and I know no one here does that, no one here does this, but there's an app called Waze, okay? It's called Waze. And there's a little thing on Waze that you can hit, and you can hit not notifications. Boom, my notifications are on. Now, I know no one else in here does this, but sometimes I know a guy who he has ways on when he's traveling. And he watches the screen and he listens for the notification. And it says this, police reported ahead. And then supernaturally, his foot comes off of the right pedal, just barely. And within the zone you know, there's that zone that you always wonder, will the cop give me 10 over or 8 over or 7 over? I'm not sure. It depends on how his day was. But I try to go down to about 5. And I drive, and sure enough, there's a cop. And no, Waze will say, is he still there? And I'll say, boop, he sure is still there. And then I'll keep driving. What is my motivation to that? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's the law. I am motivated by the law. And the reason I'm motivated by the law is because the consequences of breaking the law is coming out of my checkbook or my debit card for those hipsters. There used to be a thing called a checkbook, guys. You would write a check, 
and you'd sign it, and it's a piece of paper, you'd hand it over to someone else, and then it would go to the bank. It's the craziest thing ever. But that's what motivates me when I'm driving and using Waze. That's not the obedience that God requires of you. He requires an obedience that is found in love. Now, here's the thing, though. And we're going to talk about what obedience with God looks like in a second. But here's the thing. If Jesus requires obedience and the obedience is out of love, well, then he's leaving. So how is it that we can learn Jesus' ways? How, can, how is it that we can learn once we give our lives over to Christ? How is it that we can learn whether to go this way or this way? How is it that we can learn when we open up these texts of scriptures that, by the way, non-believers can't understand? I know for me, I did not understand this Bible until I became a believer. And little things here and there, and I still don't understand all of it, but little things here and there became real to me and relevant to me. And the reason is, I'm glad you asked, is that Christ says, I want you to obey me. And by the way, I am sending you an advocate. I know that you are going to be lonely. I know that you're scared. I know that these things, I'm going to send you an advocate. What does it look like to love Christ? Well, first, it's doing what He says to do. It's doing what He says to do. That's it. Doing what He says to do. There's a scripture in Acts chapter 5 where Ananias and Sapphira... They uh, they sold they sold some 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 things and they they uh, they came in front of the altar and they they gave they gave a partial amount. They were like, "Hey, look at us! We sold this and then we gave a partial amount." And uh, Peter was like, "Uh, is that all?" Sure. And God was like. I don't think so. Poof, and killed him. Isn't that crazy? What happened? Just a little bit of partial obedience. See, partial obedience is not obedience. There, there's, a, there's a story I love to tell, and I've told this story countless times here, but I love the story because it's so relevant to our walk. A dad has got two kids in the back, and this one kid is obedient. He's sitting on the side because he knows his dad can't see out of the back window. Not that this has ever happened to y'all, that your kids would be wild in the car, but, but this dad could not see out of the back window. And there was another kid that kept standing up and standing up and standing up, and dad said the famous words that my dad said. He said, son, don't make me stop this car. And he pulled the car over, and he said, now you're going to sit down. And the son sat down, and he buckled his seat up. And they got to the location an hour later, and the son had never gotten up. And the dad says, son, I want to tell you something. Thank you so much for listening to dad and being obedient. And he looked at him and said, dad, in the flesh I was sitting down, but in my heart and mind I was standing up the whole time. You see, the action, the the, the outer exterior showed one thing, but his heart was somewhere else. See, God wants our heart to be aligned with his. And so when he asks us to do something, he wants us to do what he has said to do. 
He wants us to do it in our finances. He wants us to do it in our work ethic. He wants us to do it in our faith. The next thing is this. He wants us to do it how he says to do it. How he says to do it. There's a story in 2 Kings of, 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 of a king that comes and Nahum is, is, he goes to the prophet Elisha and he's got leprosy and he has a helper that's with him and they come and they stand outside and, and Elisha doesn't even come out. Elisha says this, Elisha says, go out there and tell him to go dip in the river seven times. And Nahum is like, Wait a minute. I'm important. Does God not know who I am? I'm important here. I, 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 I'm somebody. I'm not going to do that. And his helper was so wise. They were like, listen, Nam, had he asked you to do a hard thing, you would have done it. Now let's go dip in the river. And he dipped in the river. And on the seventh time when he came up, his leprosy was healed. Peter was tired of fishing all night, and they had caught nothing. And Jesus yelled out and says, hey, throw it on the other side of the boat. Peter was like, I don't know anything about fishing. Jeez, we're not going to catch anything. What are you talking about? And yet there was an overwhelming abundance of fish, so much so that it began to break the nets. Obedience is doing what God says to do, but it also is doing it how he says to do it. And finally, and this is probably the most important thing, obeying Christ is doing what he says to do, how he says to do it, and when he says to do it. Can I tell you what most of us are expert at? Putting things off. Putting things off. We're an expert at putting things off. The Israelites on what should have been an 11-day trip, they crammed 40 years into 11 days. Can you believe that? All of that time. Why? Disobedience. Disobedience. He said, listen, I want you to do this one thing. They didn't do the one thing, and because of consequence, he was like, fine, if you're not going to listen to me, then the whole generation will perish and they will not see the Holy Land. And they wandered in the desert after being free. What he says to do, how he says to do it, and when he says to do it. Ask a guy named Jonah. When I get to heaven, I'm going to say, Jonah, what was that like? Like, what was the whole whale thing like? Pretty crazy, huh? But ask Jonah. He was like, oh, okay, well, I asked you to go this way, and you're going to go this way. Okay, I'll take care of you. And a bunch of sailors went, boop, threw him overboard. He hid from God. He went the opposite way. He ended up in a whale. The obedience, though, of doing what he says, how he says, and when he says, that obedience has to be motivated by love. And here's the crazy thing about Christ that I absolutely love. And it's something that tells me, even, listen, if you read these scriptures over again, if you go back and read them, if you read these scriptures, you can tell that he understands the frailty and the fear and the anxiety. He knows you can't do it on your own. The fact that you got up today, 
The fact that you got up today and you came in here tells me that you know you can't do it on your own. It's so funny because people are like, oh, Christians, they're all hypocrites. Everybody's a hypocrite. You know the difference between you and someone else? You walked through the door today and you said, I can't do it on my own and I'm a screw up. What can I learn today to help me? We cannot do it on our own. And so what does he do? Well, this is the second point. He sends an advocate. He sends an advocate. Now, I love the word advocate here. I love it. The word advocate here actually means someone who will come beside you and will walk alongside you. Whenever we adopted Bailey, we became advocates for her. See, she was in a place where she was at a group home, a children's home, and they loved her and they provided for her needs. But what she needed was a mom and dad who would advocate for her. Three years prior to her adoption, the state had been trying to get braces for Bailey and trying to get braces and trying to get braces. And I was kind of at the point where I was like, gosh, man, something's got to be done. And I talked to them. They're like, well, we only do a certain thing. We only do this and we only do that. And so finally, I was just like, forget this. And I went down and I met with Dr. McCoy right over here at, 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 um, at the Thomas Crossroads right over here. I went and met with Dr. McCoy. And I said, Dr. McCoy, listen, um, I, I, my daughter is here. I mean, what, what can we do here? And he said, bring her in for an evaluation. And I said, okay, well. And so he said, listen, here's what I'll do. I'll go ahead and put these, I'll, I'm, I'll do it. I'll do it. And whatever the state gives you for them, I'll take that and nothing else. And that's what he did. I think he did Bailey, Bailey's braces for like $2,000. I mean, and he just... He just did. And then she, she, was, she didn't do the right thing and messed up, messed up her top teeth again. And he, he, went, he went back in and did that fixed for free. It's a good thing he did because I wanted to kill her. You know what I mean, that retainer? Anyway, but that's, that's I, I was an advocate for her. Wendy was an advocate for her. Whenever there was something, there was an incident that happened on the school bus. And and I knew it was weird because she had only been living with us for a few weeks, and there was an incident that happened on a school bus where a, when she was getting off, a boy, a boy kind of touched her fanny, right? She was in seventh grade. Well, this is what he didn't know. Bailey was a little cute little blonde-headed girl, but she was meaner than a snake, all right? She was. She still is, by the way. <laughs> Hope you're watching, girl, but she really is. She turned around and punched that kid right in the head. She just started beating on his head, Right? He got off and ran, ran, to, ran to his house crying. He lived right across the street from us. He was crying. And she got home and she said, hey, listen, here's what happened. And I was like, great, she's going to get kicked off the school bus. So I was called by, by the school and they asked me to come in for a meeting. And I was fit to be tied because I was like, it's going down at Madras Middle. I'm just letting everybody know it's going down at Madras Middle. <laughs> Preacher's going to get kicked out of church, out of Coweta County because I am not. And sure enough, luckily there was a video and the kid got consequences, but she got nothing. But I was her advocate. I was going to be there for her. I was going to represent. I was going to be there for her to be the one that walked alongside her. And that's exactly what Holy Spirit. The reason obedience and gift of Holy Spirit go together is because you can't be obedient without the gift of Holy Spirit. 
oh yeah, you can fake it, you can try to be good, and you can do your best, but when Holy Spirit, when that advocate comes along, and we're going to look, there's, in two weeks there's another message about Holy Spirit. All, the whole thing is about Holy Spirit and what He does for us. But this, this and we're going to expound on this, but you can't do it alone. There, it's not a coincidence that He said, I want you to obey what I'm saying, and I'm going to send an advocate for you to help you do that. He was an advocate because Jesus did not want to abandon us. I want to say something about that briefly, and then we're going to go down to a brief list of Holy Spirit and what He does. But I want to say something to you. In my life, I have experienced a lot of people that would abandon me. I want you to know that. Not, not my family, not, but people that, that would just ghost me, or they would just leave, or they would just not be there anymore, or they wouldn't meet some expectation that I had that may have been too high. I don't know. But they would just abandon me. Can I tell you that I can tell you in the worst parts of my life, the person that's been there for me every single step of the way has been Jesus Christ. Right there, I felt His presence. I felt Him. He's been there for me. He's walked there with me. Even Here it is. Even when I was to screw up, He's still been there with me. And I've said like, God, I'm so sorry. I, I'm just, 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 I just messed up. And He's like, listen, I know you messed up. Here's what I want you to do. And then I went to obedience mode. And I said, okay, I'll do what you say to do, you know, uh, when you say to do it, that's what I'll do. And how you want me to do it, that's what I'll do. And every time I followed that role, I have come out on the other side better. But he's not going to abandon us and he's not going to abandon you. People may abandon you, but he will not. What does Holy Spirit do? Well, the first thing he does is he unites us with Christ. He does, and I'll go through these quickly. He unites us with Christ. Remember, Jesus in the book of Matthew was seen as a king. And so a king would have a seal, a, a letter seal. And so they would literally take his signet ring, put it in a seal, and he would stamp it so they would know this is from the king. This is from the king. This is the property of the King. That's what Holy Spirit does with us, with Christ. He is the stamp that stamps we are property of the King. He unites us with Christ. He unites us with God as well. How does He do that? Well, here's what occurred. In the beginning, Adam and Eve sinned. And there was a disconnect between God and man and because of what Christ we're going to see this in a few weeks because of what Christ has done for us that account has been settled and the receipt for that account is Holy Spirit he's the receipt he unites us with God when God looks at you if you're a follower of Jesus if you've laid down your life and committed over what he sees is Holy Spirit. He sees Holy Spirit in you. That's what He is. He unites us with Christ. He unites us with God. He walks alongside of us. As we strive for obedience, in verse 15, He's walking alongside of us and He's directing and He's guiding us. Listen, I want to tell you something. When you've seen that post on social media, when you've seen that post on social media, and you've pounded out that post, and you're getting ready to hit send, and you go, Ooh! That voice in you saying, don't do that. 
And sometimes if you're me, you go, I won't. But most of the time I'm like, gosh, delete. And then you go, gosh, man, why do they always get to win? They don't. You just did. Because you did what Holy Spirit had convicted you of. When someone sends you that text and you pound out that text, your thumbs are all hard and you're... And then you delete it. That's Holy Spirit. He teaches us as well. The Scripture says in verse 17, it says this, He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it doesn't recognize Him and isn't looking for Him. I want you to see that. It doesn't, it's not looking for Him and it doesn't recognize Him. I want you to understand something. If you're talking to a non-believer and they don't believe or they can't understand what you're trying to say, there's a reason for that. Because Holy Spirit inside of you is your teacher. That's your teacher. What I'm saying to you right now, what I'm teaching you right now, and I know, listen, I'm not dumb enough to think that you're going to take every little thing I say. As a matter of fact, I encourage you not to do that. Go through, see what God has for you, throw the rest away, and we'll catch it later. But right now as I'm teaching you and you're making notes and you're writing things down and you're having discussions in your small groups, when you're doing that, that within you that gives you a deeper understanding, that's Holy Spirit teaching you. Verse 26 says this, it says, But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything, and here it is, remember that text message, remember that Facebook remind you of everything I have told you. He teaches us and He reminds us. And if that was all He did, that would be best ever, right? No, it gets gooder and gooder. Are you ready? Here we go. He also brings us Jesus' peace. We call it the peace that surpasses all understanding. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, it says this. It says, Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, here it is, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. If you are not living in in Christ Jesus, if you're living in uh, the world, if you're living in your own abilities, if you're living in your own opinions, then you're not going to have this peace that surpasses understanding. But if you're living in Christ Jesus, you'll have the peace that surpasses all understanding. Anybody here ever experienced peace that surpasses all understanding? Anybody? Yeah, I want to see you. Anybody? Anybody? I'll end with this. And I, I, I try not to talk about the tornado too much, but I'll, I will end with this. I, I saw some pretty horrific things because I was one of the first ones on the scene at the tornado. It was pitch black. The lights were out. I've told you guys that story. The lightning hits, and I see devastation. And I hear things, and I, I can tell you this. I was on the exterior distraught. But I can be honest and tell you this, that from this point going forward in my life, I realize what the peace that surpasses understanding is. Because never one time did I worry. And that's why I tell people all the time today, don't worry about your stuff. It's just stuff. 
Don't worry about your stuff. Don't worry about the, the sticks and concrete and drywall and paint and sink and water that you have. It's, that's called your house. Don't worry about those things. That was just stuff. Don't worry about those four tires and the engine. I'm not saying don't take care of it. Be a good steward. But don't worry about those things. Because I, in that moment, realized God has given me a supernatural. And listen, guys, I'm not super spiritual over here, okay? I'm not, I know I'm a preacher, but good Lord, man, I mean, I'm, there, I'm nothing special. Some of y'all know me. You know I'm nothing special. Wendy, don't say a word. I'm nothing special. All right? But I've experienced that peace. And when you have that peace, you can do great things for God. When you're not having to worry about those things. Gosh, man, he's provided for you up to now. He can do it again. And he'll probably do it better than you thought he was going to do. My encouragement to you today is, is to obey God out of love and embrace what he has for you. And remember, obedience and the gift of the Holy Spirit go hand in hand. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love for us. God, I pray that you would allow us to love you even more. I pray that you would be with us and guide us and direct us. God, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for who you are. I'm so thankful for um, your, your, just your touch in our lives. I'm thankful for whew, just the peace that surpasses understanding. Lord, let that be our prayer always. Let that be our prayer always. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand up for a final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.